I am going to share this morning out of a text that I briefly mentioned last week. There was something um, as I was, it, it was in my devotional reading this week that I read through it again and I just felt like there was something there that we needed um, to hear, I needed to hear. And here, here, here's my one thing that I want you to hear throughout this message. And I think it's going to be somewhat difficult because um, most things, uh, like mentioned in the detour video, uh, most things that God wants to lead us in are difficult. Uh, they aren't always easy. Um, and the key is, is that if we learn to walk in trust with him, we can have peace in it. So here, here's my one thing. Trusting God with our story is the greatest way to live in peace and to see him glorified. So how easy is it for you to trust God? Is it something that just comes naturally? Is it something that it's just like, you know, you don't even have to think about? Like literally everything that confronts you, you're like automatically going, yes, I believe, I trust, he's for me. Well, the reality is, is most of the time it's really easy when things are good to trust God. Like who doesn't trust God when you still have a job? And uh, when your uh, marriage or relationship is going well or, you know, your car is not broken down or um, your, heart, your house didn't just get hit by a hurricane or, you know, fill in the blank. But when life is hard, it's difficult or it can be difficult. And I believe this season is a good testing of your trust and faith for, for many, many reasons. Today I want to take a longer look at a text I briefly talked about last Sunday and wrestle with its implication. Today's text will stretch you, confront you, and call you to a greater level of trust in our Savior. A call to follow Jesus is a call to surrender and to trust. That's it. I mean, like as disciples, we're called to follow Jesus. And to follow Jesus, we must go where he goes and be led where he leads us. And so I'm going to be talking about Lazarus this morning. Um, and that's in John 11, and we'll be there in just a minute if you want to move ahead. And I felt like... Um, as I read through this, there was just, you know, I just felt like God spoke to me some things. And I want, I want to read you a line of it, which will maybe give you a little idea of where I'm going with this. Lazarus died. And there is purpose. There, there was purpose in me allowing Lazarus to die. And there is purpose in what I allow to come your way. Anybody want to volunteer to be Lazarus? Don't raise your hand, of course. No, I mean it, it's it's terrifying. And and let me just say this from the beginning because I'm gonna I'm gonna use the story of Lazarus to communicate um, our option to trust Jesus. And I'm sure that Lazarus had an option to trust Jesus in what was going on, but it wasn't his choice. He didn't volunteer to go die so that Jesus could be glorified. But it is something that we get offered over and over again and I don't necessarily just mean physical death there's lots of deaths that we can um, walk into as we live in and walk in obedience and let me just tell you that it is uncomfortable to live in 
obedience to things that are tough that Jesus is asking you to do. So let's pray. Lord, we need you to soften our resolve of self-protection, of, of, of guarding ourselves that sometimes we use even against you. And Lord, I pray that through the text today that you would open our eyes to see that you are constantly working even through pain, even through things that are out of our control, that you are constantly and always working things to our good and to your glory for those who are your children. So, Lord, I pray that as we walk through the text that we would see ourselves willing to allow God to use us so that the end result is similar to what happened with Lazarus. But, But without your move and work of the Holy Spirit, without the peace that comes in and through your work in our life, we will miss it. So help us see... Uh, your truth in your text. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 10, actually John leading from this point on, I mean 15, 16, 17 are some of my favorite um, chapters in the Gospels. But leading up to here, I mean chapter 10, you literally had the text which we've taught in here and, and talked about a fair amount. I am the good shepherd. Jesus tells his you know people that are listening, I am the good shepherd. And he he makes this connection over and over again that he is the Son of God and in, in making this connection to God so much so that the people that were hearing him, the Jews of the day, took such an offense to it that they picked up stones to kill him. Literally, through his words, they picked up stones to stone him and Jesus went away. He, he, went, he was not stoned. It was not his time. And, and he left that area. And, and remember this because we're going to come back to a little bit later when he's going to have to go back through this to go to Lazarus. That there was um, a, um, a reality that he could literally lose his life in his purpose of going to see Lazarus. Uh, John 11, 1 starts with this story that you may be really familiar with. You, If you've grown up around church, you may have even seen this on the flannel board. Lazarus, you may have remember songs. I remember, you know, a song where... I'm not even going mention the name because you'll look it up and it'll be real cheesy. But it happened in the 90s and the guy who sang it was really orange. Um, anybody? No? Somebody? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, it's awesome. Uh, But chapter 11 of um, John, you get the beginning of the story. And so here we go in in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Notice what he didn't say. 
or what they didn't say. Notice what the sisters didn't say to the messengers. They didn't demand that Jesus stop what he's doing and come to them. They didn't say that. It's not in the text. They didn't demand that Jesus come and heal Lazarus. They, They didn't say that specifically. But they put Jesus's love of Lazarus as a means and a method for him to respond to what's going on, which he will communicate in a little bit, and you will see his affection for Lazarus. In verse 4 it says, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the messenger comes, he tells Jesus his message, and most likely, I'm going to make some speculation, most likely the messenger was still there when Jesus uttered these words, which it's important, potentially. This illness will not end in death. So the messenger hears that, heads back to the sisters, and they most likely got that message from Jesus, and this will mess with your trust, from Jesus after their brother was already dead. After Lazarus is already dead, they're getting a message from God that said this illness will not lead to death. Could you imagine sitting there and doubting who, because they're going to call him the Christ in just a minute. They're, They're not confused about who he is. They're aware of who they believe he is, but in their mind, this may have just hit the wall of their ability to trust because he's now, they've heard him say something that didn't happen, at least not in the way that they planned. In verse 5, it says, And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Five and six seem contrary. And I think this is part of this in our own lives. This is the trust part for us. Jesus loved Mary, uh, Martha, and her sister, and Lazarus. Loved them. Okay, he just said that, but in verse 6, he does not respond because we think when someone loves us that they're going to immediately do what we think they should do for us. And Jesus didn't do that. And so let me just tell you a little side caveat. Just because you feel that in this moment Jesus isn't doing the right thing for you, doesn't mean that he isn't. And that, that's a difficult thing when we're in the middle of suffering, we're in, when we're in the middle of pain, to go, I, I read all these things that he loves me, but can he love me and this still happen? Well, he clearly loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, but still chose to stay away for two days longer. And at this point, and, and when he stayed two days longer, at some point during this, Lazarus died. In verse 7 it says, After this he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judah again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were, were just now, because they just left in chapter 10, they were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? Chapter 10, verse 31, they literally picked up stones to murder him because of him saying that he was the Son of God. In verse 9, and Jesus answered, 
And this is a little side caveat. This is not part of my message. It would be worth reading into this. Be worth looking into this. Are there not 12 hours in a day? In the day, meaning daytime, the light. If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light. He sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Parents, houses, dark at night, Legos on the ground. Would you step on them if there was light? No. We wouldn't. And this is what he's saying. Hey, when there's light, we can see in, in the potential of us having our greatest measure of true of trusting in God is understanding in the light of who he is the truth of that. Because when we walk at night, it is dangerous. It's dangerous this morning. I was in the light and I still whacked my head all by myself. Alan didn't even do this to me. Where's he at? <laughs> He didn't. I was by myself. I think it's because I keep bringing it up. And I just whack myself in the head. And I'm like, okay, drum kit, cart with that three-foot poker. <laughs> I was like, I was just grateful it wasn't my eyeball. So it could be in the light. But in the light, we have the ability to see what's going on. Verse 11, it says, After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. They did not get it, that he is dead, which Jesus is going to clarify. In verse 13 it says, Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. This is before they made the journey to see that he is dead. This is not, they don't have live feed on social media to realize that they're having the funeral already. Lazarus, our friend, is dead. They have no idea what has happened. And he's saying, look, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you, talking about his disciples, he was doing this not just for others, but for his disciples, that you may believe, let us go to him. So that you may believe. This is the length to which Jesus will go to show the world his power over life and death. Notice, before he went to the cross and did it himself, he used Lazarus as a living example of the power of Jesus. <laughs> Are you ready and willing for God to use you this way? Again, not many volunteers are like, I want to be Lazarus. I mean, if you had a guarantee that you would be resurrected, you might be like, oh, okay. There was no conversation with Lazarus before. Jesus didn't have a secret meeting with Lazarus that I'm aware of and say, hey, buddy, I need you to do something for me. You a team player? Yeah, you're a team player. Okay, you're going to get sick. You're going to get really sick. Hey, and you're going to die. Like, that's when the conversation ends. Like, hey, Jesus, like, I was on board into team player and you, until you said, I'm going to die. He didn't have that conversation with Lazarus, but this is what's going on with them. Lazarus and Mary and Martha literally witnessed all of this happen to 
well, their brother and happened to themselves. And so Thomas, also the one that's the doubter later, which I think it's funny, uh, in verse 16 says, So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, See, Thomas, the doubter, a little bit later, Let us go that we may die with him. They're saying, hey guys, all you eleven, let's go with Jesus into the place that they are ready to stone him, even if we have to die. Bold. They're ready to go, doubting Thomas. So at this point, before they encounter, before he goes into town, before he has this conversation with Mary and Martha, let me let me talk a little bit uh, about this four days in the tomb. There is some um, Jewish superstition that the spirit of a dead person hovers around the body for three days, and so there may be a potential that Jesus was waiting to that for that mark to end, so that they would literally know. He's done the impossible because the spirit is now gone. Now, that's speculation, of course, but that is something that they were potentially dealing with. In chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus has a conversation. And he said to her, talking to Martha about the brother, because she, like we talked about last week, she came out, both of them did, and was like, why weren't, if you were here, he would still be alive. If you were here, he would be alive. And they have this conversation about the resurrection and the life. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I think a lot of our life, although we say that and we claim that as believers, that we are People of eternity. That we fight and fear so many things in this world, thinking and living like this is our only place. This is our only home. We don't, we don't, we don't think about eternity. And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, her identifying him as the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming into the world. She and her sister had lost all hope that Lazarus, even if they got the message, was going to walk out of that tomb. They had buried him. He had been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus asked where the tomb is. And so they go, and there's a group of people that are following them to the tomb. They're thinking, oh, look how sad Jesus is. We have in verse 35... Your memorization verse, 11, John eleven thirty five. Jesus, good job memorizing. You have this very compassionate moment that you see his love and the people are like, oh, he's going to the tomb to mourn the loss of his friend. And then when he gets there, he says the oddest thing ever. Which is also a little foreshadowing of his own leaving the tomb, but roll the stone away and the sisters aren't just like no one was at the tomb waiting for Jesus. there was no band ready for jesus to come out of that tomb even though he said over and over again three days i will come back no one was sitting there in preparation and waiting they were only thinking that he's going to smell because he's been in that tomb for four days 
And they roll that rock back. And Jesus has this conversation with his father out loud. And he says, I know that you already hear me. I'm not saying this for you, but I'm saying this for those that are listening. And he speaks to Lazarus. He tells him, he says, Lazarus, come out. And I'm sure, I don't know how long it was before they heard him start moving or they saw the shadow in the door. I don't know how long that was, but I guarantee you that was the longest period of time in their history. Lazarus, come out. And I mean, I imagine that some people ran terrified when they see mummy Lazarus coming out wrapped up. He is... He is four days. That is, that is, you know, they, I don't think they had zombies back then, but like zombie apocalypse just began. And Jesus tells them to go unwrap him and set him free. And here, here, here's the whole, the whole thing that I'm, I'm getting to. The whole reason, because he said from the beginning, this was done. This is for the glory of God. And that is our opportunity for God every single day for his glory. In verse 45, it says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who came with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Lazarus' ability to trust didn't end with his resurrection. In the next chapter, in verse twelve, in chapter twelve, the Jews are not only plotting to kill Jesus; they're plotting to eradicate the testimony of Lazarus by killing him also, because they understand that if people see the power of Jesus, they, like the other Jews that were there, will believe. And this is the beginning of the conversation that we must sacrifice the one to not lose our nation. And so here's where I want to draw this to. Because there is no way for me, because it's all practical. I mean, we can say if, if your life is going pretty smoothly right now, you can be like, yes, trust, trust. He is good. Always. But the time will come when you'll be tested, where, where you will have to decide to trust in God. And notice this. The only thing that Lazarus had to do was respond to the voice of God. Come out. I believe that God wants to continually, even in our day, to speak to his people. And that that speaking would move us to action, which would bring glory to God. And so here, here's a couple of questions to stir the pot. Are you listening for the voice of God? Is it part of who you are that when you read, when you pray, that you're constantly going, God, what do you desire of me? Most of the trouble we get in, I think, is when we take a lead that God didn't ask us to take. 
then we jump into something that God didn't lead us to, that we try to fix something that God hasn't called us to. I think the power that we have as His children is that we get an active participant living inside of us that is called the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is, is drawing us into relationship with Him so that we can hear His voice, respond, and see His glory. It is the easiest for us when we hear. But if we're not listening, if we're not actively going, God, I want to hear you. And that is a great experience in God. If no one's taken that, it's a great resource to actively say, how do we see what God is doing? How do we hear His voice. And so before we even begin trusting, we have to go, God, are we willing to listen to what you say? Because when he speaks, we have to be ready to respond. Lazarus, like I said, the only thing that Lazarus had to do was respond to the voice of God. Here's another question for you to wrestle with. How far are you willing to trust Jesus with your life and future? Because if there's a limit on there, there's an issue. And it's okay for us to wrestle. It's okay for us to wrestle through that. But the the thing of it is... Peace comes from when we trust in what God is doing. Romans 8, 28, not on the board. One of my favorite verses. And this is for those who call themselves children of God. All things work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. All things. I mean when the world falls apart around you. All things. What would our perspective change if we literally believed in the moment when the tension came, when our, uh, you know, our life was in danger, our, our future was in danger, that we would go, I am a child of God and I trust you regardless of what tomorrow will bring because you've declared for your people it is going to be for their good in his glory. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to sell you like if you think happy thoughts, that bad things aren't going to happen. That I'm saying in the middle of those things happening, believe that God has purpose in them. Just like I said at the beginning, there was purpose in what God allowed to happen to Lazarus, and there is purpose for what God brings your way now. And I go back to my one thing. Trusting God with our story is the greatest way to live in peace and to see Him glorified. And here's my last question. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on back up. And while the music's going on, have some of this conversation. Here's the last question. What is your fear in not trusting. Identify. Tell them, I, I'm struggling with trusting you because of this. Say it. Let it pour out of you. And it's okay 
to acknowledge, I think some of our issue and some of our trouble is that when we don't allow what's stirring inside of us to come out, that we're almost afraid to say, God, I'm struggling with trusting you because of this. Because there you, you told me this was going to be a certain way, just like potentially Mary and Martha. You said that this would not end in death, and now he is dead. What is the thing in you? Where is your fear of not trusting him? Because the truth is that if, and I only say if, because potentially someone may believe that, If Jesus is who he says he is, and if he is literally holding our world together, if he is guiding things to what we see in the book of Revelations into the end of his returning, and if he is our father, we are his children, and he's told us all these things, Our greatest place of peace is just choosing to trust Him. And so I I don't know where this message, other than when I read through the text, I knew that this was for this Sunday. I don't know where this finds you. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if literally this message is to awaken a release in you to just trust Him for the very first time. Because this is what he did. He brings from death, which is what we are without him. We're in death. And he brings us life. He is the resurrection of life. And that literally could be just go, I'm yours. Or there could be something as a child of God that you're struggling with right now because it doesn't look like God is good because this is going on. And I just challenge you. I, I don't know what your answer is. I don't know what your struggle is, but I do know from the text that God is big enough and good enough to bring glory even out of the worst situations. Let's pray. God, I know and I have been in places that it is a struggle to trust you with the chaos that's going on in my own life. I've been there. I I know what it feels like. And I just pray this morning that you would just open the heavens. That you would speak to our hearts as we struggle internally with something. Lord, I pray that we would hear your whisper, that we would feel a greater desire to trust you because we understand that you have us. That in spite of what's going on, in spite of our Lazarus story, Lord, we lay down and surrender our lives to your glory so that people would know you and see you in and through us. So, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for these words that you've put in the word for us. Help us walk with grace and truth as we live in the moment of trusting you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.